And because he lives, we live. Certainly happy to be together today, house of the Lord. Group A or one, whichever y'all prefer to be called, and group B or two, whichever y'all willing to be called, we're glad to be gathered in group saints. Saints, this people of God. <clears throat> we wasn't made to meet in groups, was we? No. no. Brother Wes, and then we'll have young people's meetings, and that's a group, you know, of most of us folks can't fit in that group no more, but that's for them, and we have all these different groups of this and that, but I'm just so grateful that we're able to be together as one family. Amen. One family of God. We certainly appreciate all of your uh, prayers during this um, time of Erica. Brother Louis already expressed it, and we're just so happy today of what the report that we got from the doctors this week and um, the scans and things that they did. We just believe in God that that evil thing will never come back. Amen. Amen. We, we know where it comes from. It doesn't come from the throne of God. Um, we know that it's our enemy. And we appreciate the Lord Jesus not only coming to save our souls. Had he done that, it would have been awesome, would it not? If he had never brought one healing, not one, to anyone. But he said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And we're so grateful for that. Certainly appreciate all your prayers for it. It's going to take her some time to get over all the chemo and all that stuff. So just remember in your prayers, if you would, also like you to remember our oldest daughter, Alicia, she's still dealing with her vocal cords and somehow they're not quite operating exactly right. And she just whispers. So now she's not even whispering. She has to just keep total silence. So certainly just desire your prayers for her that God will move for her. Um, during this week, I've heard several other requests of different saints and different churches and different parts of the world that are really bad shape with COVID, so we certainly want to remember them as well. I told him this morning early, though our needs are so many, his power is so much greater. Amen. We believe that, don't we? You have a need, a request you'd like to be remembered today before the Lord? Let's just bow our heads if you would. and. Ask him to help us today. Father, it's with thanksgiving that we stand before you, Lord. We're so grateful once again that we're able to come back together. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us, how you've helped us during this time of this terrible pandemic. Lord, been down to 10 or 11 here in the service, just streaming. But Lord, even during that time, you never failed us. You come with your presence and you just moved. And I heard reports from all over the world of people in their living rooms and their cars, wherever more. And the presence of God just come right down. And we thank you for that. You know, Lord, it's certainly not our choice. It's certainly not our choice to be standing here today with mask on our face. It hinders our breathing. It hinders us being able to say amen and all of that. Caesar asked that we wear them, and that's the only reason that we're doing it. But we'll be so glad whenever we can take them off and be able to worship you, Father, shake one another's hands and hug one another's necks. 
We're not sure when that'll be, but we're not just sitting around and waiting for the good times to begin. We believe they're going on right now. For in the midst of such trouble, we see you doing such tremendous things. We thank you for it, Father. We ask you today that you be mindful of all the needs of your children around the world. Lord God, I pray that you'd help us as we endeavor to look into your word. Help me, Father, that I can get out of the way, that you can speak through my lips, Father. Just use my body, my mind, my lips as an instrument, Lord, by which you can convey your thoughts for the day. Would you, Lord, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's uh, read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Thank you, Brother Josh. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. We've been looking at reconciliation through kenosis for several, several parts on this, but as I look at this more, I, the more I realize what a great thing that the Lord Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 4, 21, we'll read through verses 24. Now listen carefully as Paul, we know the Ephesian church was a, it was one of the great paramount churches in the New Testament. They had such understanding of the word, predestination, election. There was things that Paul was able to say to them that he could not say to any other church. And what's amazing about that is, as deep as they were, they had problems in their homes. Because he had to write to the men on how to love their wives. And had to write to the wives on how to find their position in the home. So no matter what traits that each church would have, like our church, it would differ from Brother Tim Pruitt's church and different churches um, around the world as far as that goes. And each church would have strong points and we would have weak points. And the thing we want to do is to be able to let God solidify and strengthen our strengths and also strengthen our weaknesses. So listen how he writes this. It's very unique. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So some of the people that were hearing this at this time and certainly us, Uh, 2,000 years later, never saw physically the Lord Jesus, never saw his corporal body, never heard him teach. But Paul is saying it as if though these people were literally taught by Jesus himself. If so be that ye have heard him, not of him, but heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Uh, from there he goes to this very next verse that's the same contrasting in one way, but once you look at it through his light, it's, it's exactly right. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So if you've been taught by Jesus and you've received a new man, there should be a succession of the life of the new man replacing the conversation. 
So here apparently some of these wonderful Christians of Ephesus had not yet broke away from some of the conversation. Conversation is not just always what comes out of your mouth, but the Greek word there was used interchangeably for behavior. So it's more than talking. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice how he separates our part from God's part. That ye put on or sink into clothing. So the word put on is like sinking into clothing and put the clothing on the outside. So a tailor might make you a suit or a dressmaker might make you sisters a beautiful dress. You might pay hundreds of dollars for it to have it custom made to fit you exactly. But it wouldn't make any difference how beautiful it was, how nice the material was, how fine quality workmanship it was. You must put it on. So the believers here had to reconcile somehow in their sinking their part plus God's part. Being able to understand that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I told you I've been listening to this sermon the last week or so, uniting time and sign. Listen to this in paragraph 40. What a unity when God united himself in a human body. When God, I want you to notice how he says this. He doesn't say that God got in the human body and made the union, but God united himself in a human body. So the Father gathered all that he was, united himself, which is us too. United himself in a human body. The principle, the greatest of all the unitings that was ever done was when God united with man and left his great strain of being God and stretched forth his tent and took in humanity and become one. Lord, have mercy, children. He left his great strain of being God and stretched forth his tent and took in humanity and become one of them through unity. That what? That brought peace between God and man forever. How thankful we are. Praise God. Can you say amen to that? God bless you. You may be seated. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 
It's an amazing thing that God took such men as were some of the apostles. Remember that Peter, John, James, some of those original apostolic brothers, some of the outstanding traits about them was that was noted among the people was that they were ignorant and unlearned. But they had been with Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly how or when this happened, but they went from a state of publicly being known as ignorant men to becoming men that were so enlightened by the Spirit of God, it must have been overwhelming to hear them speak. Now, I want you to think that this was a very short span of time in reality. From the time that the Lord Jesus had met them and they were common fishermen, which you didn't need a PhD to fish. You didn't need a graduate, you know, from this university or that one. You didn't need to learn very much at all. Didn't even need to learn to read and write. But they had went from that occupation of being fishermen to writing such words in their epistles that they are astounding to this very day. And it was not now that they went to Bible school. How did this man, to keep this in mind before we read these verses, how did this man come into this remarkable change from being an ignorant and unlearned peasant, ignorant and unlearned fisherman, to using words that were so overwhelming. The placing, now Peter, I'm not sure that Peter even understood or knew much Greek, but something happened for him to be able to write this great book. Now you see, man looks at this and man wants to identify it as human wisdom or human knowledge or human understanding. Oh, but you see, it was not that at all. It was the endowment of the Holy Ghost that so moved upon these men and gave them such understanding. I imagine their contemporaries, their friends were overwhelmed because they said, I know that man. Well, I used to, all he'd done was fished and he couldn't even write me a receipt one day when I bought some fish from him and I wanted a receipt from my taxes and the man couldn't even write me a receipt. But now they tell me that he's writing books and they tell me that that's gonna be part of the New Testament. I understand this is part of something that we tend to overlook because we think it's not important, but it is important. You see, God's word is going to be beginning here in the apostolic age. The instrumentality that he will use to project incorrupt seed to bring true births from that time until now. So it's not that God looks at our ignorance or our stupidity and God said, well, you know, it's not really important. 
if you believe or if you even understand. We know there's an element that we'll never understand about God, but yet, you know, the people try to isolate certain quotes and try to make it as if though we don't really even need to understand anything. Well, I I guess I don't understand that understanding because if I don't need to understand it, why in the world should we go to all the work of printing books Why should we and other churches years ago went to all the expense and all the trouble and all the work to put the message into a info base which it could be studied and and looked at by preachers? Why do we need to print books? Why do we need to listen to tapes if we really don't need to understand it anyhow? Let's just say, well, we believe God sent a prophet and whatever he said, I believe it and that's it. That's not the way you get born again. So you see, even though there is a contrast between godly knowledge, godly wisdom, godly understanding, between that and human wisdom, human understanding, and human strength. Many want to take it and put it all in one pile and just say knowledge, understanding, wisdom, it's all of the devil. No, it's not. There is a godly knowledge. There is a godly wisdom, and there is a godly understanding. So God wanted to take men like this. Now we know that Paul was quite different than Peter and that Paul was a learned man. Paul was a very educated man and so was Luke. Now Luke was a Jew, but actually Luke was was schooled in Greek and in Aramaic and he was a doctor of course. And so it shows that God can actually use those things if they're committed to him. But what God wants to do is to take men from both sides and allow those men to commit everything that they are to him and let him do the outworking out of their lives. And the church said, now I want you to listen to these words because you would never think that this was a man which just a few years prior to this was identified as ignorant and unlearned. Now, remember, probably for the most part, I would imagine most of the people probably still felt that he was, but if you listen to the words that he wrote, you'd have to say something has definitely happened to that man. And it was not just the soul. It was also his intellect. Now, you think that any important? Well, let me just remind you of another modern-day miracle. He stood right here in the pulpit and preached for us many times, and his name is Brother Jewel Forney. Brother Jewel Forney could not read. He could not study. He could not even name the books of the Bible. But God wanted uh, another miracle to happen in this day. And Brother Jewel could have had uh, some people to read for him. Those of you that's ever heard uh, a lot of black people, uh, preachers in the apostolic or in the Baptist, some of them will actually have a man that'll stand near them on the pulpit and he will read the word and then they will comment and he will read more and they will comment. Well, the Lord could have done that for Brother Jewel, but it'd been quite dangerous actually for the man reading because Brother Jewel gets so excited Excited, the man no doubt would have got run over several times. So God chose not to do it that way. So instead, God gave Brother Jewel what many would not even consider to be a miracle, but when you go from not being able to read to being able to stand up and read your scriptures and read from the the message of the hour, the church age book and all of that, you call it what you want to, I call it a modern Peter. I call it a modern miracle. 
Now, why is that so important? Because truth will be the instrument that God uses to beget. Not truth through human knowledge and human understanding, but yet truth itself, if a preacher is going to preach. Now, me coming from a Pentecostal background and uh, all the preachers, a lot of them that I knew, and Pentecost, they preached by open letter. Anybody know what that is? Open letter, open your mouth and let her fly. Well, that's the way they preached. Now, they thought it was a shame. It was an outright shame for a preacher to have notes, for a preacher to write down scriptures or anything like that. You never done that. You never study. You preached by open letter. So, of course, you had a, hot, a lot of hallelujahs and glory to God's and praise the Lord, and you had a lot of filler inside of there. Well, is that right? You had a lot of filler. Now, some of you have heard a lot of those men. I'm not downgrading them. No doubt they did the best they could, but Father wants us to be begetting not just by glory to God's and hallelujahs, but Father wants us to be begotten by the word of truth. So then truth will be the divine principle that God will use to beget every soul which can be born again. So then God will anoint his men to read, to study, and he will anoint them not only with human knowledge and certain if they don't have ABCs and all that sort of thing, they will need to be able to learn that, that to be able to read. But yet God can take what little bit they know. Look at Brother Branham. Went to the seventh grade, did not have a college education, but yet will be able to break into the realm of God into where scientists, geologists, all types of people in the world still ain't broke into. Why? Supernatural knowledge, supernatural understanding. So watch this man now, which was prior to this an ignorant and an unlearned man. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Now can you imagine an ignorant man, an unlearned man using the word like corruptible and incorruptible? Can you imagine a man which could not read the theses of many great doctorates of those days and the people who had been before him trying to get all this? He didn't get it from a theses. He got it from Revelation. But God wanted it to be so then that this word would be written down. But here's a man that couldn't even write. He could not write a fish receipt. How is God going to use this man? God is going to equip him with divine education. Now think of it, God is going to equip this man with divine education. Well, where do you think true and original education come from? It comes from the Almighty God. Now, in the eighth day, we will have civilization, education, we will have many, many things that might surprise you, but it will not be education as far as our school system. It will not be science as far as the world knows it. It will be God's order of science. It will be God's giving to us that which man could never impart. Now if you look here, you'll see a little bit of a down payment of that now. Now I know you don't understand it because many of you do not relate to many of the backgrounds of the men of God around this message but some of the men of God around this message that preach such astounding, overwhelming oh, oh my, just this overbearing words from God if you only knew their background many of them never even finished high school. 
And yet they speak such resounding words. I hope you understand it, that the angels of God probably stand there and if they could relate it this way, with their bottom jaw dropped down and they're thinking, where in the world did they get that at? Well, it's because Father is going to beget his children with truth and it will not be by man's wisdom. And sometimes divine wisdom can be so over the top of our heads that we just sit there and think, oh my goodness, what in the world? It's because Father is anointing again men that are not great intellectual giants, men that have this degree and that degree and that degree, but Father gives them a deposit of his own knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Why? To beget more children. Listen, Peter says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, I want you to notice the seed now that God is going to use. Unlike what Peter had wrote about previously and also James, in that it would be the corruptible seed which come by the lust of the flesh. This is why all of us are dying in our bodies today. It's because we are born of corruptible seed by the lust of the flesh. But God is going to give us a new birth which is of incorruptible seed which cannot die. So we're not born of incorruptible seed by the new birth nor are we born by the lust of the flesh. So God will create in us by his spoken word another birth and it will be by his own will which is not the lust of the flesh. So by truth, communicating a living principle to the word. Notice Peter says it, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So truth communicates a living principle directly into the soul, which will not decay. Now like my birth from my mother and father, they never intentionally passed on to me death. I never intentionally passed on to my two daughters death. None of you that that our parents never intentionally passed on to your children death, but it's something that's in our humanity. We cannot stop it. But God broke the cycle with the main union in Christ Jesus in that he would be the first of the new race. Now, he's not the only one, but he is the first of the new race. So instead of imparting it by the lust of the flesh, he imparts it by the desire of his will. Then he overshadows a virgin and he creates in her. So notice how this new birth starts. It starts by the will of God overshadowing a human. And inside of this human God creates this great work. Oh praise the Lord. How will your birth be? Your new birth. God overshadowing a human. God overshadowing another human. Another human. Another human and creating in that human, the continuation of that race that he created in the Virgin Mary. Not different now, but the exact same thing. So Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So divine truth is going to be the instrument that God will use to quicken the soul. It is the spiritual seed. Watch this, God rich in mercy. The same thing the believer is, there's something in him that when he meets God face to face, 
when he meets God face to face. He comes to himself. Wow. So when you meet God, you come to yourself. You see, this is why Satan wants to substitute shaking a hand, playing a tape, going to a church, saying you believe God sent a prophet. All that's well and good, friend, but that's not what I'm talking about. You got to meet God face to face. Now, when you meet God face to face, this is what'll happen to you. You'll come to yourself. (laughs) Oh my. When a believer meets God face to face, he comes to himself, that seed is in him and it's quickened. So what is it being born again? Not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. That seed is in him and it's quickened. My, that's right. And he flies away from the things of the world. They become dead to him. My, I remember we all had our life in the past and those things of the world, but once we got a hold of that real thing. Amen. Amen. Something that quickened us, a little seed that come to life. Then all the things of the world rotted right there. We had no more desire of it. Now the seed of all existence, listen to me carefully. The seed of all existence is the spoken word of God. The seed of all that exists in the original creation of God is the spoken word of God. And what is the spoken word of God? It is the expressed will and pleasure of the eternal. So he thought of all that he wanted to do and all that he wanted to make. And when he spoke it, then the spoken word was the expression of his desire. So it was the creative thought that took form in the shape of material. Now first it was thought, then it was word, then it becomes an expression, then it becomes manifested. Now God started, of course, in this by creating himself, and that was in that it was the form of the Logos. Now, I hope you don't, this don't shake you too bad, but God actually today is continuing the same thing that he started in the apostolic move 2,000 years ago, and that was that God would still use his spoken word to give birth to his children. But instead of God coming down himself and preaching every sermon, God will actually take anointed sons of God with eternal life. And as they speak the word, they will impart eternal life and God will take that word, the gospel, and birth a soul, another soul, another soul, another soul. So now instead of God going down and speaking everyone the way he did, the humanity of the Lord Jesus, God imparted this creative act into his mystical body. But it's still the Lord Jesus. Notice this, Peter says, by the word, but the word of the Lord, verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And the saints said, And this is the word. Notice this. The word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Oh my goodness, so they believed in preachers, did they? 
Now the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So it is the channel by which the instrumentality, by which God will bring forth new births. And how is that? By the gospel. What does the word gospel mean? The good news. It is that which begets men afresh. So God creates afresh through men as they bring the anointed word of the hour. Now listen to me, friends. The word of God for this hour is in season. The word of Luther will not create new births in this day. It will bring a person to a state of justification. The word of Wesley, and we preach only sanctification, only sanctification. It would not bring a new birth in this day. Well, I'm bringing it on home. The word of Pentecost was wonderful on Azusa Street, restoration of gifts, but preaching that alone today will not bring a new birth. And the church said, let me go on. The introduction of the message and just rallying around God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet, that within itself will not produce new births in this day. If God sent a prophet, tell me what he had to say. Because God don't send a prophet just so he can say, I sent a prophet. But God sends a prophet because the prophet has something to utter from the presence of God. When the prophet utters what God gives him, and then of course he embarks upon that age, and he sets forth the channel or the anointing for that age, then others who come forth burst under that, they take that same word, each one in the diversity of their gift, and they begin to speak the words of life as well. And what happens? So that they can become a great personality? Nonsense. So they can become a great preacher? No. So that God, through that human instrumentality, can produce more births. Notice this, so through men, God, through creative word, will actually cause new births inside of his children, and he will until the last one is born again. So he does so through natural laws. Now, whenever God, of course, spoke to Adam and told him to multiply and replenish, God didn't have to necessarily say that again. God set the natural law of the cycle of reproduction in order. But whenever God destroyed the earth, or the people of the earth, and brought Noah and his sons out, then God sends them forth under the new law of reproduction. So God re-speaks that law and tells them to multiply, of course, and go forth, and they do. Now, once God did that, God didn't have to tell your mom and daddy that, my mom and daddy that, your mama, your mama, your mom and daddy, but that law is in motion. Once the Lord Jesus gave the apostles the call and the breath of God, then the law is in order for new births. Then what? What do we need to do? We need to simply go back to that law and be born by that law ourselves. Then we become the carriers of his eternal life. Notice that Peter goes on to say, as he identifies this seed line, the word, which liveth and abideth forever. So God is ever living. Would you agree with that? God is eternal life. So anything that would be a direct product from the eternal would have to have eternal life. So the truth is the instrumentality by which God will put into the mouths of men that are preaching the gospel. Now we know the prophet told us that God could have chosen a son to preach 
preached the gospel. I guarantee you, the sun would have done a much better job than me. The moon, he could have chose the moon. So whenever a person got out, that if somehow the moon would have just done something or the stars or, you know, nature would have done it. But God said, no, I want my sons. Now, let me just say this. There's no way that a man that's not born again himself can ever really pack the germ of eternal life. Now, I know some of you had an experience with God when you was in the Baptist church, Methodist church, Pentecostal church, as I did. I had an experience with God, but I believe the word of God to birth my soul for this age had to be received out from under the auspices of this word. I'm not denying now what I had in Pentecost because God certainly dealt with my heart and I had some wonderful experiences with the Lord. But in order to be birthed by Malachi 4, how could that happen to me in Pentecost and I never even read that scripture nor even understood it or even studied it in Pentecost. I didn't really study that much when it comes to those types of things. So how could I ever been birthed by it when God was gonna strike that through someone packing that seed? So what did I hear in Pentecost? Well, we heard heard about Trinitarian baptism when I first got in and we heard different things and then I come around the oneness and I heard how to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and I heard about gifts so what did I do? I produced what I heard and then I begin to realize there's got to be more to God than this. There's got to be more than just human understanding humans you know becoming anointed and running and feeling the presence of God and something began to call me as it did you. It was this word that I still love this very day. It was this word. So what was this word? It is the life of God which is everlasting. Now if I am born by corruptible seed, if the word of this hour is seasonal and it will only go up to another three or four years and then expires, then my birth expires with it. But if I'm begotten by the word of God which lives and abides forever. You see the people in the days of Lucifer, the real elect of God they got born by the living principle of that day. There was other carnal people, they did not get that. They joined the Reformation, they broke out one to lots of churches, they killed priests, they done all kinds of horrible things if you've ever really studied the Reformation and see what it done. But they took that truth and applied it in a natural way. But the elect caught the spiritual principle and what they got included them in the resurrection. Same was Wesley, they did not have the full word. But those who called it by revelation called the true principle of God and it imparted unto them the portion of the spirit of God for that day. Same in Pentecost, but in this time God said, I want the fullness of the Godhead to return back in my church. Now, I hope you understand, we ain't got just justification. We don't just have sanctification. We don't just have the restoration of gifts. But the prophet tells us that the attribute of the fullness of the Godhead has returned back in the last days. Now it's not in me, it's not in you as an individual, but in the bride of Christ around the world, that attribute has come back again. What? It is the way in order to bring a body to where she can receive the capping off of Christ himself. Notice so we can expect to endure forever because the birth from our Father will never let us die. 
Notice what happens to us in marriage of the Lamb. The prophet in 62 says it this way. When we take on Christ and the world is dead, then we no more care for the world. The world is dead to us. It's dead to us and we're dead to it. You're a different person, different personality because you're a new creation. Can anybody here say amen to that? A new creation. Not the same creation polished up. Not a man that turned a new leaf. Now this is what many are preaching the new birth actually is, that God takes that old nature, that old soul of yours, and God redeems, as they say, redeems that old soul. That old soul of yours is not redeemable in the first place. That nature of yours is not redeemable. It is born in time only allowed by God because of the fall and sin that Adam brought upon us all. So it's not God polishing that one up, redoing that one, and giving it a face shine and all that sort of thing. But it is God actually letting that one die and bringing you, the real you, into life by recreation or recreation. Notice he says, not a man that's turned a new leaf, but a man that's died and been born again and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the spirit of the living God lives in the person. Now, just like the woman that's no more broy, she's a Branham. Now, you know, of course, this is Brother Branham's wife's maiden name. She's no more broy, she's a Branham. And she goes by that name. And the church is no more of the world, but it's in the name of Christ she is. She's connected with him by his own life. So we're not Church of God, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, but we are the name of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the family name. That's the name you're baptized into. Now, this is why, friends, that Satan does not want people, even in our message, he does not want people getting the new birth. Because once people ever come to this new birth, they are changed forever. Do they still have their humanity? Of course. Can they get sick? Yes, absolutely. But the desire of the world is no longer in them at all. They are totally cleansed, and they're not reformed. They are not reformed. They are a new creation. I love this in future home. You become a new person, amen. Not an old one patched up by joining church or trying to turn a new page, but you are a, a complete brand new unit. God takes the old man and burns him completely out and with the Holy Ghost and fire and comes himself, sends down your representation. Praise God. Paragraph 189. You're the same man in stature you was when God called you. Same woman. But you see what it did, it was a regeneration. The old life passed away. So it's not that God takes the old man, the old nature, and washes him up and oh my, gives him this and that and the other and gives him a fine suit and dresses him up and lets him sit there in church. That's what happened to a lot of folks. But that's not what God identifies as the new birth. God burns out that old man and then God quickens that seed which he deposited in you when you were born. 
Notice that thing just died. Then you were Satan's instrument. Now you are redeemed. And that's what we will be the same way, redeemed a new heavens and a new earth. Just like you, you are a new creature. And the Greek word there, anybody knows, you're a new creation, a new creation in the same old temple. Hallelujah. A new creation in the same old temple. What was Jesus? A new creation in Mary's same old temple. You see, God creating himself in Mary never gave Mary's body eternal life. God creating himself in Mary never eliminated troubles from Mary, problems from Mary. As a matter of fact, when God did this great act inside of her, her trouble just started. And people wonder why when they get closer to God and they start down the the, the dedicated, consecrated journey in serving the Lord that all hell breaks loose. That's one of the best signs you're in the will of God. Whenever the word was being made flesh in Mary, all hell broke loose against Mary, Joseph, her family, and everything. Now, it did not change her body. It did not give her body eternal life, but the new creation of God had started being formed inside of her. When this continuation of the new creation is made inside of us, our bodies are aging. Our bodies are getting tired. And some of y'all so sleepy right now, you can't hardly keep your eyes open. We're weary of life. We're weary of sickness. Weary of trouble. Weary of heartache. And yet got the new creation in the soul. So the new creation did not eliminate all the problems from Mary. Neither is it going to eliminate them all from you. Amen. Notice this, in God's provided place of worship, you then are not yourself, you're a new creature. For the Greek there means a new creation. You've been recreated again. Notice this, the power of God comes upon you and you become created a new creature. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Which brings the whole physical being, spiritual being, and everything and subject to the word of God no other way. Now realize that Satan is the master of deceit and he's the one who tries to misrepresent this to people. So they think, well, I went up and I had the preacher to pray for me and the preacher laid his hand on me. I shook hands with the preacher. I put my name on the book and whenever I did that, then I felt something happened to me. No doubt many of them have. And I felt like I was a new person. I felt like I was so different. Sort of like a hog that would be wallowing in the mire and she would jump into a pond or a river of clean water and she would come out and they could ask her, somebody standing on the microphone, how you feel? (laughs) The interpretation of that is, I feel so clean. I feel so good. Praise God. Hallelujah. I stunk when I went in there. I don't stink no more. I was rotten when I went in. I'm not rotten no more. I had mud between my toes, mud in my nose, mud in my ears. I had it all over me, but glory be to God. I went down in that water in old sorry center. I come out of there a clean hog. You said it. Do they feel different? Of course they do but they're not a new creature. And she'll only be new looking and clean looking until that desire in her nature 
I see it. Look at that. Y'all see it. Look at that nut hole. Oh. Oh. I want to be in there so bad. Ooh. I can feel it running up and down my back. I can feel it in between my toes. I just, I just, oh, I can smell it. I can preach hell so hot, it could catch the soles of their feet, their shoes on fire. I could scare them so bad that their heart stops in church. And while they're under that atmosphere, they think, I ain't never done nothing wrong again. But watch them on Monday morning. Watch them on Tuesday. Hard preaching is not going to keep you. Huh? Scaring you is not going to keep you. You're going to have to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, let me, let me go to this of the church age book. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think it'll be a blessing to you. He has made us. Now, he's read the scripture in Revelation where he's made us kings and priests unto our God. Oh, there are certain truths we need to emphasize. And this is one of them. He, he has made us. Salvation is his doing. Salvation is of the Lord, all of grace. He redeemed us for a purpose. He bought us for a purpose. We are kings, spiritual kings. Now listen to what he wants us to be now on this line. Oh, we are going to be kings upon the earth with home, with him rather, when he sets upon his throne. But now we are spiritual kings. We reign over a spiritual kingdom. Now watch, he's going to give a scripture for this, Romans 5, 17. For if by one's offense, one man's offense, death reigned upon by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, which is us, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom reign of his dear son. Right now we reign with Christ, having dominion over sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Showing forth his praise and glory, showing forth himself, for it is Christ in us, willing and doing, oh my, of his good pleasure. Amen. Oh, if I can just overcome, if I can do this, it's not you, friend. It's you doing your little small part and letting the life of God live this life out of you. Yes, indeed, even now we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and made us priests, yes, priests unto him, offering the spiritual praise of sanctified lips, oh my, spending our lives as a sweet offering on old children. And this what you want to do? And this what we want our lives to be, that we give a sacrifice. Instead of bringing a lamb or a turtle dove or a pigeon, we don't need to bring a blood offering, but the sacrifice he wants is the sacrifice of our lips. Lord Jesus, we love you. Even when you don't feel like it. That's when it's the greatest sacrifice. But Brother Donnie, I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm so sad. I'm so depressed. I'm losing battles every now and then. That's the best time to make a sacrifice of praise and say, it's already done. Thy stripes, I'm already healed. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, I am an overcomer. Even when you don't feel like doing it, make a sacrifice. Oh, thank you, Lord. Spending our lives as a sweet offering. 
Can you imagine there are scientists, biologists, botanists, and, and people like that? And I saw a documentary not long ago of, of, of a scientist, certain scientists that was studying certain animals. And they spent 50 years of their lives studying this little animal. Now, boy, wouldn't that be something? Whenever they die, they put one of them in the casket with you, I guess. So you, you spend 20 years of your life trying to study this little fly. I won't spend that much time if I got a fly swat. <laughs> Can you imagine this is what you live for? You, you, you dedicate years of your life to studying this certain moth. And then you give all of your life to study it and you write a book about it. And then somebody else comes after you do and give more of their life and write a better book than you did. And your life is in vain. And God asks us to pray, read his Bible, come to church, do the things that are right. And he says, if you'll do this for me, I will give you a place in heaven that is beyond your imagination. Just sacrifice this little bit for me and I will make it worth your time. And we complain and we gripe and we grumble. But you could be going around with a magnifying glass studying a beetle. Oh! Oh! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! What is it? Nothing. I, was just, I just saw, I thought I saw a beetle. It was just dust. And he asked you to pray. Ask you to live right. And says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. That where I am is, oh, do I have to go? Do I have to pray? Oh, do I have to quit this? And I'm spending our lives as a sweet offering unto him. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Interceding and petitioning. So we intercede for our brothers and sisters and we bring petitions. Why? Because we're priests. What did God do? God made Christ Jesus the high priest. But there is an order under him. Men, women, boys, girls, you have been given the call of God and God says, ask me what you will. Petition me. Petition me. Bring the desires of your brothers and sisters. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. I will heal the land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is our land in this inheritance? Our bodies. Our bodies. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth, interceding and petitioning priests and kings unto our God. No wonder the world does not appeal to us. We are a peculiar people, zealous with good works. We have been recreated in him to be children like unto our Father. Now I want you to look at this word. Recreate, recreated, and recreation or what so many of us love so much Recreation. Oh, we love recreation. Hunting, fishing, camping, 
All the ings, you know. Hunting, camping, fishing, cooking, televisioning, musicking, and all of our ings. Oh, I've, I've got to have my recreation. Don't you understand? God said, I must have recreation. But my recreation will be to recreate my people. Is God against us camping and fishing and all that sort of thing? No, not unless we make an idol out of it. Not unless we become drunk on it that we have to do it all the time. And it takes prevalence over prayer and over going to church and over the house of God. And somebody said, you see, God desired, and and this is the way he reflects it. We have been recreated to him to be children like unto our father. But now he's standing in the midst of the church as he stands there revealing who he is in the last age. He calls himself the author of the creation of God. This is another creation. This has to do with the church. This is a special designation of himself. He is the creator of that church. The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. Glory be to God. As the spirit of God, oh my, as the spirit of God, as the spirit of God. No, I'm not stuck. I want you to get it. As the Spirit of God, He came down. As the Spirit of God, He did not come down out of heaven as a boy. He did not come down out of heaven as the second in control of heaven. But as the Spirit of God, He came down and created in the Virgin Mary the cells from which his body was born. So he came down himself and created cells, glory be to God, in the virgin womb of Mary and created what? His own tent. Glory be to God. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to a human ovum supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing a baby. And let me tell you something, friend. You shake, you jerk, you shout, you speak in tongues, you jump, you run, you do all of that sort of thing. That is not the new birth. It is not you giving God. Well, I think I believe it's you dying. It's you dying and him quickening that part of himself that he put inside of you, then once he does that, then you put on Christ. It is not us, don't you see? We are recreated after his image. We can't create. Oh, that would have not have produced the last Adam. Of him was it said, lo, a body hast thou, Father, prepared for me. God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was the human incubator. You know what you are? John the incubator. Donnie the incubator. Jack, Carol, Barbara, whoever you are, you are an incubator which carries this seed of God inside of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And she carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was a God-man. 
He was the son of God. He was of the new creation. Listen to this now. Man and God met and joined. Oh, no, surely. Surely he's not going to say this. He was the first. The first. I believe it will be a certain race that will go in the rapture. The new race. In there will be black, white, red, yellow, Chinese, Japanese. This is the superior race that God has longed to present on the earth. Don't you understand this superior race will be in the millennium? This superior race are the inhabitants of the city. This is the race that God wanted Adam to bring forth. But Adam forfeited his rights to be the father of this race. So God created himself in a human form and allowed his own humanity to suffer and die and pay the penalty in order to raise him up on the third day and bring back his own life to give birth to the continuation of this race. So he's the first one. The first one. The first of this new race. He is the head. Praise God. I realize some of our message preachers say, Jesus better watch himself. Uh huh. Jesus better be careful and Jesus better watch himself. He'll get in trouble with God. You heathen, you ain't got a right to even be in the pulpit. He is God. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Then you can see, listen to this, though man was of the old order of creation, now in union with Christ, He has become the new creation of God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in union with Christ Jesus under good works. Ephesians 4.24, that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This new creation is not the old creation made over. Or could it be called a new creation? That is exactly what it says it is, new creation. It is another creation distinct from the old one. No longer is he dealing by waves of the flesh. That was how he dealt with Israel. He chose Abraham out of Abraham's issue through the godly Isaac line. But now out of every kindred, time, tribe, and nation, he has purposed a new creation. He is the first of that. Can you imagine the eternal wanting to become the first or the head of this new race himself. He wouldn't do like he done with Adam. So he gave Adam to be the head of the new race. And that head caused every one of us to be like we are today. So God said, I will take care of the head problem. The next time I'll be the head. 
praise be to God. I'll be the head. And I'll create every one of them after my own image. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He was God. Listen, he was God. How many believe it? Created in the form of man. Now by his spirit, Lord Children, he is creating many sons unto himself. God the creator creating himself a part of his creation. This is a man with a seventh grade education. Where did this come from? Must be of the same family. Whenever they said about our master 2,000 years ago, isn't James and Josie his brother? Isn't Mary his mother? Where does this man have such wisdom? Where, where, where did he go to school at? William Branham, where is your BA and your DDD, DDD? Where is your all this sort of thing? Where did you get? You watch them theologians in the deep calls to the deep and you hear some of the sermons and they're sitting there behind him. I wonder how many of them preached his sermons time after time after time and they go back. They still do to this day. Yeah, you're going to find out some of these days, some of these YouTube preachers and big television preachers, they're gleaning from the message. The difference between them and us is we tell where we got it. They don't. Well, come on, but you see, if they don't pack life, even though they go through and take them away from here sermons, they will not be able to produce new births in their assembly, and they'll ever one go through the tribulation period. But God may call a little ignorant boy from Kentucky, or another one from down in Arkansas, another one from West Virginia, and he ignites their soul with the breath of God. Hallelujah, the word explodes in them, and as they speak the gospel, this one's born again, that one's born again, that one's born again, and the devil said, there said, what in the world? That man's an ignoramus. He don't hardly know nothing at all. It ain't what he knows. It's who he knows. It ain't how much education he had. It's the revelation of God. And God creates by his gospel. Y'all ought to be saying amen because that's what happened to you. Can I have a few more minutes? Oh, I love this. He's creating many sons unto himself, God the creator, creating himself a part of his creation. This is the true revelation of God. This was his purpose. This purpose took form. Through what? Election. Ah, I see. No wonder Satan hates election so bad. That is why he could look right down to the last stage when all would be over and see himself still in the midst of the church. You believe what you want to from before the foundation of the world. The Lord Jesus looked right down through time and saw this service today and saw him in our midst. You are being taught by Jesus as the truth is in him. The folks in Louisiana today, you know, it's not so much Brother Tim, it's not, you know, it's not Brother Ron Spencer up in Virginia, it's not the brothers in, in France and Switzerland and all that. No, if they've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they're really called by God, they are being taught by Jesus himself. 
What is it? The administration of the bridegroom through the body. Don't you see why Satan of all ages, why has he fought the preachers in this age like never before? Why in the world when Brother Branham said he had to take so much of his ministry to prove to the people that God still had prophets. Now that he's gone, we have to spend so much of our time trying to prove to those who say they believe him that God still has preachers. Times ain't changed much, have they? Notice this, this purpose took form through election. That is why it could look right down to the last age when all will be over and seem self. Still in the midst of the church as author of this new creation of God. His sovereign power brought it to pass by his own decree. Lord have mercy. He elected the members of this new creation. He predestinated them to the adoption of children according to the good pleasure of his will. By his omnipotence and omnipotence, he brought it to pass. How else could he know he would be standing in the midst of the church receiving glory from his brethren if he did not make sure? All things he knew and all things he worked out according to what he knew in order that his purpose and good pleasure might be brought to pass. And let me just tell you right now, there isn't anything in this world or in the underworld nor in the invisible world above us that will stop God's program. Let me close. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Listen to the words of this last paragraph. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you belong to him? Aren't you glad you belong to him? In the time of COVID, it still holds. In the time of recession or depression or bounty, and plenty, it still holds. I'm so glad, aren't you? Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we so love you today. Father God, I pray, as we have our heads bowed to the dust of the earth, may your presence Just deal with every heart, visible and invisible as well. For those of us that are what we have read this morning, make it more real to us, Lord. I believe we see it, but Father, I want to see it greater. I want it to be more real to me, Lord. For those maybe that have not become that yet, help them that they will. Help them, Father, that they will allow you right here in this time today to breathe on their soul that seed, that gene. As Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible.
by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Lord God, may the Holy Spirit, I pray, bring every one of your elect members. We know we will not go anywhere as far as a group. One by one, they're crossing over. Lord, we've heard of several just in the last few weeks crossing over to meet their reward. Father God, I pray you would help us. We will not go as a group, though, until that last one has come in. By that, we don't mean come into just the doctrines of the message, but come in to the new creation. Lord, if there's one in our midst today, one or many, one or many streaming, Lord God, may your presence gather up those seeds of yours. Father, it may be one in China, one in Japan. It may be an aboriginal down in Australia. Lord, it might be like some of those in Tanzania that I saw several years ago. And from this church, we were able to buy bicycles to send to missionaries. So they go out and preach into the jungles of people that didn't even live in houses, but they dug primitive holes down in the earth and they lived down in them holes and only wore just a piece of cloth around the midsection. But as I was there a few years ago, Lord, able to meet some of those men, those women that come out of the holes, not only out of the ground, but out of the holes of darkness where their souls had been laying. Ignorant, walked in that darkness, and yet, Lord, able to place in their hands a little e-book at that time what was the latest technology that we had in the message and to watch the men cry and pull it up to their chest and hug it as if it were a million dollars. But to them, it was worth more than a million dollars. Praise God. Help us Americans, Lord Jesus. We've got everything so soft and so easy. Help us, Lord God, that we don't become rocked to sleep in Satan's cradle of Laodicea. Oh, Lamb of God, stir our hearts, stir our souls to the reality of Christ Jesus. Grant it, I pray, Father. We love you, Lord. I need more of you, Jesus. Oh, God, more of you in my life, more of your word, more of your thinking, more of your purpose, more of your plan, oh, God, to be revealed. Lord God, let my life be spent as a sacrifice. Lord God, I, I know of no other purpose that I could give it toward that I would rather sacrifice. Some sacrifice their souls, their bodies on an altar of alcohol. Some sacrifice their body, their souls on an altar of pornography, prostitution, or whatever more. Lord God, may my life be spent for your kingdom, for your word, for your people. Hallelujah. Anybody in this building today want to say the same thing? Anybody streaming in the invisible audience want to say the same thing? God, take my life. Let me be spent. Let it be poured out as a drink offering, Lord. That's what Paul said that his life would be poured out 
as a drink offering. Not as an atonement for sin, but as a drink offering, which was a libation offering of the Old Testament. So, Lord, we're not here today offering our life as a sin offering, but as a drink offering. When David was so thirsty, he was so parched and so dry, and he said, oh, that I could have just a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. Those men heard that. His least wish to them was a command. They fought through miles of Philistines over there and back to bring back a drink for the king. Whenever he had it there, he said, I cannot drink this for it is the blood of men. So we see the behavior, the sacrifice of men can be reckoned and acceptable in the eyes of a great one. Why, they didn't think it was blood. They thought it was just something their king wanted. But the way he looked at it, it was too holy. So he poured it out for a drink offering unto you. Lord Jesus, I could never pay you back. But Father, may my life be a drink offering. Oh, Lord God, may Happy Valley Church be a drink offering into your presence. Oh, Jesus, take my life, Father. Take my hands, my mind, what strength I have left, what days I have left. Lord Jesus, may it be used for you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands, can we? Let's just make this place a place of surrender. If you find yourself living a selfish life, I want this, I want that, I want this. That's all you think about. It's what you want. May God help you today. I give myself away. Oh, Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Make it your prayer. Oh, God.
Yeah.
Jesus, our Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. Is it your comfort this morning? being in church this morning, didn't you? Amen. Certainly appreciate our pastor this morning, the word that he brought to us. So good for everybody to be together this morning. Let's just go as we go this week. Pray for one another. Let's sing this. Take up your cross and follow Jesus as, as you go this morning. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost. Take up your cross. Follow Him. your cross follow Jesus take up your Take up my cross. I'll follow Jesus. I'll take up my cross. 